traveling through Asia is just like such a vibe. Like I feel like everybody at some point in their lives should just do a trip throughout Asia because like all of the different countries and the cultures and like even the landscape of like northern Thailand to southern Thailand to Bali is just like such a different vibe, but they're all so beautiful and like complimentary. And just seeing you girls just out there having a blast is just like honestly, like I'm all for it. Like I'm just like, yes, go swim with the sea turtles and you know, get splashed by the elephants. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of get us started. Like, how is life in Bali? Like, how, how are things? Like, What's it what's it like there? Oh, it is amazing. Uh we're actually in the Gili Islands right now, so still Indonesia, but just outside of Bali. And yeah, no, I can't stop talking about it. We did a month in Thailand, went to like Bangkok, up north to Chiang Mai and Pai, and then went down south to Phuket and did the islands and everything. Absolutely amazing cannot stop talking about it it that month in thailand i loved it <laughs> it was so great so many stories so many friends the food was amazing the everything was gorgeous then we came to bali and bali it's very overhyped <laughs> i like it i really like it but it is incredibly overhyped and I was expecting it to be overhyped. I was, I did some research on it. I knew it was going to be full of trash everywhere. It was like literally anywhere you walk down the road, there's trash on the side of the road. And is it because like they lack like the garbage bins? Cause I remember in Thailand, like that was an issue of just like public yeah. waste. No, they don't have places and stuff like that. They don't have a lot of public garbage bins or anything they also have a lot of like rivers going out so people just throw shit into the rivers and it actually happened that we arrived to Changu so we were in Ubud for a few days and then went to Changu and we arrived when like it had just been a huge rain like it had rained for a few days and we went to the beach the beach was so disgusting the water was brown. You couldn't see through it. There was garbage piled up on the beach everywhere. And we literally walked onto the beach. And it's a dark sand beach. So, I mean, you know, it's first of all, we're used to the white sand beaches. And so the dark sand beach, it's gorgeous. But when you're not used to it, it's brown water. And there's garbage on the beach. It's a bit shocking. And we were like, um, we're supposed to be surfing tomorrow. <laughs> like what's what's going on here um so we didn't surf the next day but we did surf the day after that and most of the garbage had get had been cleaned up the water was still brown but we were like you know what people are out there surfing obviously you can surf in the brown water and like the next day we went surfing again cleared up the water was less brown starting to get blue again and then uh, two days later, my friends went surfing again, and they said the water was perfect, almost crystal clear, nice and blue. So it's just from the all the water coming out of the river and people just throwing all their trash, like everywhere it goes into the river, the river goes out. It was gross, but it did end up being not gross. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's good. At least nature and hopefully people kind of, you know, took some responsibility there and 
you know try to clean that up it's so interesting i feel like yeah being island babies and like you you know you travel to other parts of the world that are especially like tourist Mm -hmm. destinations and like you see like the you know the the narrative that social media paints but then when you see it for what it is like you're kind of just like wow like this is not (laughs) what you expect and when we like because we put tourism so high like you really do expect like these services to be um at a certain caliber you know at least and I know like your family has definitely been in like the marine tourism industry for pretty much for like my whole life I don't know like it seems like forever um and I definitely feel like you you get accustomed to seeing like the environment protected and shown in a certain way and when it's like neglected it hurts like it's kind of just like oh humans what are you doing so shocking it was like we just walked out there and we're like um this isn't what the pictures are like. You know, like, obviously, we did our research, we knew it wasn't going to be perfect. And we all had done our own research had like our own expectations and everything. And I was just like, I, I saw all these pictures, and I knew it could get bad, but I didn't see pictures of the bad. So I didn't know what to expect for the bad. And in my mind, you know, there are parts of St. Martin that have trash everywhere. There are some of the rivers in St. Martin that are, well, rivers, streams, whatever, like canals, whatever you want to call them. The ponds, I feel you. Bodies of water. (laughs) Whatever you want to call them in St. Martin. Some of them are man-made, some are natural. Um, Like you see some that, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, the salt pond that makes, you know, it's dirty, but not horrible and then you see some that's with the dead fish and everything so I knew it from that side but still seeing it out in the ocean I had never really seen it that much like not with trash and everything like I've gone and seen oceans where they look brown you know I've when going around Thailand we went through on the ferry some brown oceans things like that but I just it was just a surprise and I was just like, is I was just confused, wondering if this was how it always was. Because obviously, when you do look at pictures of people in Changu and well, Bali in general, what you don't realize is like, it's this picturesque, you know, tropical, everyone's in bathing suits, this, this, and that. But 90% of the pictures are at pools. And that just never clocked in my head. Like, in my mind, it was like, pools. They're by the, like, you know, but there's still the beach. Like, it's famous for the surfing and the beach. And yeah. So that was just something that I just didn't clock and didn't really think about. Interesting. Yeah, I never even considered that either. That people were purposely at the pool because they were like, sis, yeah. I am not going in that ocean. <laughs> well, the ocean did clear up. And, like, by the end of the trip in Changu, the ocean was looking a lot nicer <laughs> than our first our first walk down to the beach. We were all so excited. You know, we, uh, we were in a mood. We were like, yeah, it's been raining. It's been raining. We're going to go to the beach, put our feet in the salt water and the sand. And we just stepped on the beach. And I think all of our jaws dropped because we just weren't expecting it's like not it. today yeah. like today is not the day well we'll come back you know we'll, we'll exactly i was like yeah but i'm curious like spending a month in thailand like i know one of the things that i loved about being on that side of the world is how cheap everything is and you can really do so much and really get to experience like the these countries and these different communities for the cheap cheap um how did you guys sort of like yeah like 
figure out just being able to stay there for so long without it like breaking the bank or you know being able to really yeah try out local life and experience all those festivals and stuff that you guys you know did while I you were mean, there. I mean, the four of us all had different like, but we all have different budgets. And we all had different, um, like, ways of saving up beforehand. For me personally, after university, I moved home into my childhood home with my parents. I worked for two years. And I was very fortunate that when I stayed with my parents, I did pay rent. But it was very minimal. And it was an agreement. They were like, we need that money, (laughs) Alice. Like, we... You're not coming home for free. (laughs) Well, it was kind of their way of just being like, we will always support you. Um, yeah, but like you're an adult, you know what I paid at home. Yeah, give you the level of responsibility, like you know, regular twenty year olds got to pay rent. <laughs> My rent was so low. But it's just it the act nothing. of the act of paying rent. Exactly. Yeah. Know, just to yeah, no it accountability. It was it was literally just like that. Like they had the agreement with my sister when she moved home after uni and started working. They were like, okay, this is how much you're gonna pay for rent. And then when I moved home, they were like, okay, well, your salaries are a little bit different. So the way to make this fair is just take the percentage that your sister was making. And so that was kind of the thing. So as my salary changed a little bit over the two years as I moved positions at work, um, they were like, just continue to pay this percentage, which was so minimal. So I'm incredibly thankful. I was able to save money to get my car and then I sold my car. So I made you know, was able to keep that money pretty much. (laughs) It ended up working out really well, obviously tough, you know, being at university, living on your own, being independent and then moving home into your childhood bedroom. Um, that was very tough, (laughs) but we worked it out. I guess. What did you go away to study while you were in, it was, you were in like the UK, right? Yeah. No, I studied in Cambridge. Um, and I studied animal behavior. Super cool. What kind of got you interested in animal behavior? Because like, I know your family is like super into nature. And I've always been so grateful for the experiences that I've had just with their like fascination and love and just like being such activists for the climate. And I'm curious, like, did that influence your your passion for animals? Oh, and, for sure. Because I know your grandma, like, has chickens and geese and all sorts of things, you know, running around the yard. And I always enjoyed playing with them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure, like, that, you know, must have must have given you a taste for, for, you know, taking care of animals and just being a champion for nature. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, it was really nice. Uh, as you said, my parents have always, you know, been activists pretty much they've always been environmental always done what they could to help the environment my entire family's been like that um and yeah it's definitely did give me a little bit of a broader insight to it before going off to university because I was also able to see it from the ecotourism point of view so not only I had this love for animals and I was like I want to work with them I want to do something with them when I was a kid I was very certain I was going to be a vet. I was like, no, 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 vet, 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 until I was about 15. And then I was like, wait, like be a vet. I have to finish high school, do my three or four years of my undergrad, and then another three or four years of like a postgrad, and then also a, like a doctorate or something. I was like, Aha, that's a lot of school. I was tired of school. And I wasn't that great at it. Like I was decent, but... <laughs> 
we weren't enjoying it. And the idea of doing a minimum of seven years after high school, I couldn't do it. Who's got the time? I was just like, Who's got the time? <laughs> oh, I don't think I would have been able to last seven years. <laughs> would have had to drop out or take a gap year, which if you do that, that's great. But I was like, I wanted to get my schooling done. I wanted the higher education, but I didn't want to go that far. And I was just like, that's for me, for my personal growth. I was like, for now, I want to do the three years because in England, you just do three years university, not four. And so I did the three years after like a year and a half. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. But I was like, I'm halfway through. I'm not a quitter. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Like we got to finish where we started. Exactly. I was just like, what is this even going to do for me? I was like, this career line doesn't have any money in the future. Like, what am I doing? It's just a paper. Exactly. Expensive pieces of paper. Exactly. And um, I mean, I was so lucky that I had my family support through it as well. And they were like, no, no, no. You know, you're going to keep going. If you have to stop, you can, we will help you stop, but try to keep going. So I did and I finished and I finished in COVID, which sucked. But, but yeah, no, I mean, especially going out through the three years, learning more about different animals. I just had more questions that I wanted answered. So I just kept going, learning more and my parents were very supportive because as you were saying they are also like they helped me obtain this affinity for animals and nature and everything because they love it as well and it does sometimes annoy me because my father has a lot of questions that he expects me to answer like all the time he's like alice i paid for this education i need to know exactly. like i'm sending you to receive so you could teach him is really what it was that is 100 you know? it when i was working at the foundation studying the monkeys my dad was like oh so what about this with the monkeys what about this and this and this and then i was like dad 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 i've just done eight hours at work i was like i'm tired i'm not at work I will talk about work when I am at work. I do not ask you about your work outside the call of the work. office, you know, exactly. the call the office. We'll deal with it there. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, I'm answering phones in the office half the time anyway. Like if you call the office, I'll answer and I can answer your questions, but not right now, especially he and I would sometimes carpool in the mornings because we would, you know, we would start at the same time. It was ridiculous. Four, pe- four of us in the same house each with our own cars, going to the same place, like all Simpson Bay, Cole Bay, every day. The only thing is, is we all finished work at different times. Like my dad and I both started at eight. So we would go in at eight, but I had like, you know, an eight to four contract job. I wasn't high up in the company in the foundation or anything like my dad is. So my dad has to stay until nighttime to finish all his work. But I was like, four o'clock, I'm done. I was like, that's all my contract says. Like, if I have to stay late, I will. But if I don't have to, going home, getting some going rest. home, <laughs> exactly. Going home. <laughs> it was really hard to carpool as much as we wanted to. But during summer, it worked because, you know, there was always someone going back. So I would drive in with my dad and just leave my car at his office overnight. So then I would have my car during the day. And then in the evening, if it would like worked out, maybe I had to wait an extra hour for my sister, my mom, my dad, someone. 
but I was just like, we're all going the same way. I feel way. you. I feel you. It's like, I can sit here for an hour on Might my phone. Well. I'm going to sit at home for an hour on my phone. You know, save the gas. I feel it. I feel like, it. It works for me. Exactly. Save the money, but also save the environment. So it's like a win-win for everyone. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it was always in the mornings. He would always ask me the questions. I feel it. Morning is... Leave me alone. It's too early for this. It's too early. Yeah. Okay. I have just woken <laughs> up. But like, I guess like what, like, what do you study in animal behavior? Like, 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 are you just like, are you observing animals in their natural habitats and trying to like deduce patterns of like how they interact with other animals and stuff like that? That is a huge part of it. Yeah. It's also, I mean, there are different ways that you can work with the degree. Um, how I've been using it the last two years for work was I just studied the monkeys on St. Martin, you know, kind of got a rough idea of how many there are, the characteristics, et cetera, et cetera. And then I just did a marine litter pr- project. So that didn't actually have to do with my degree. It just worked with because the fact that, you know, I knew how to write these reports and everything, the scientific aspect and knew the environmental ways. But you can also use the degree and how you were saying is you can study the animal, make sure that their patterns, their behaviors work with how they should be in the wild. So how I really want to use my degree next is I really want to work in a rehab and conservation center. And it's basically just making sure that this animal that can't live out in the wild at the moment for whatever reason is happy, healthy, and is basically being true. Like it's being how it should be in captivity. You're trying to give animals their best life is really what you're trying to do, which is awesome. Like we all should be striving the best lives for ourselves and for the animals like we should all be enjoying this planet like that's super cool super cool now for a message from our sponsors thank you for supporting this podcast if you are enjoying this episode share it with a friend and leave us a review. It 100% helps us grow this podcast and get our message out there to help and inspire others. Have thoughts or opinions you want to share? Join the conversation on Anchor or on Spotify. I love to hear from you all and I can't thank you enough for your support. With that, let's get back to the good stuff. I guess, like, how was it living in London or, like, just living in England? And was that, like, your first time really leaving the island for, like, that long yeah. of time? Yeah, no, I mean, we we traveled a bit growing up. But the longest I had been away from home at a time was, I think, five, six weeks maximum. And then, boom, 18 years old, straight out the door for university. It was a shock especially in St. Martin where we're so dependent because you can't get your driver's license until you're 18. You like everything I would do. I was so dependent on my parents because I couldn't, I worked for my parents for, to get money because it was harder to work down the road because, you know, I couldn't really drive there. 
I had no freedom of movement, no independence. And both my parents worked like full time. They're both business owners. So they would work, you know, from morning until night. There were so many times where after school, my sister and I would go to my mom's shop and we would hang the out there. Shop the scuba shop for the people yeah. that don't know. <laughs> the scuba shop. And we would go and hang out there. And eventually I'd end up walk like I would help out in the shop every now and then uh, make a little extra cash if she needed the help. Sometimes, you know, create jobs just so I could get some cash. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, you know, like, hey, work needs to be exactly. done. I was like, this I'll needs, take the this money needs to get straightened up. I'll work for like an hour or two. What's the rate going right now? Um, then I would walk to my dance lessons because that was, you know, a 20 minute walk. My mom was like, nope. As soon as I was like 13, she's like, you can walk that. I'm not driving you anymore. There's too much traffic. So I'd always walk. I had, she said, no, nah, yeah. you could walk. Well, it's close. You was close. It's a, I mean, it was hot. It's feasible. It, it's hot. It is feasible. I see what she was thinking, yeah. you know, and I she, see. she rightfully so very rightfully so had, rules on what I was allowed to walk down the road in because of course you know we'd dance you're not trying to have you cat call exactly I mean it still happened still happened I could I was remember I once walked down the road in sweats like full-on sweatpants sweatshirt sweating my like just sweating so much but I was like this is all I have not get attention this is all I have other than like little booty shorts to dance in and a sports bra so I was like I have to wear this and I would still get catcalled it was ridiculous it's because you're cute, you know. That's what it is. We're cute. Thank you. They, but can't they can't help. See they that can't from the resist. Back. With my hair up, my hood they, up, like you can't even tell I'm a girl. They know. They were like, <laughs> "She fine." That's why she hiding so well. They're like, "What you hiding under all them sweats?" We know it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. So having that dependence for obviously 18 years, and suddenly going into university, it was a shock. I had a big culture shock, first of all. Um, It was just a shock suddenly being able to buy what I want, be in charge of my own money. You know, I... (laughs) One thing... Making it rain in them (laughs) dorm rooms. (laughs) Oh, no, I was so scared of spending money. I I was so frugal with my money. I would, like, go to the shop, make sure I was getting all the best deals. I didn't want to run out of money. I didn't want to ask my parents for more money. I couldn't get a student loan. I was still new. I didn't have a bank account for my first few weeks. So my mom literally pulled out a bunch of cash for me to last me a few weeks because I couldn't get a bank account until we got there. And then the bank account took a few weeks to get sorted. So it was this whole thing. I had one week with my mom post Irma. So my dad had flown home for Irma because we were away when it hit. And so we're in England, worried the hell. I thought my cat had died. He didn't. He somehow showed up three weeks after Irma, completely unscathed. Like He, he was like survivor. Exactly. We, we had someone watching the house and he, uh, my cat didn't like, still doesn't like people. And this guy who he works with my father, we've known him for years. He always stays at our house when we go away. He was just like, yeah, no, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen your cat. I haven't seen him. You know, I left food for him, but I haven't seen him. My dad goes home. Sorry, Alice, he's not here. You know, he's gone, dead. Have your little memorial. My dad hates my cat. So he's like, you know, here you go. 
Three he was weeks. like, get over it. She's gone now. Exactly. Or he's gone now. Exactly. <laughs> Three weeks later, I get a photo from my dad and a text. He's fucking back. And it was my cat just showed up and started eating some food. He was like, I'm hungry. I've been uh, fasting for God knows how long, exactly. surviving off of the mice. Like, <laughs> Oh, my cat was fat. He He had that extra fat to keep him going. <laughs> He was like, I got stuff to burn. This is the this is the this is the event I needed to get into shape. It's really your cat orchestrated Irma just to lose weight. I I, I totally understand. Yeah. You know, I feel for him. There I feel you go. for him. <laughs> but um but yes, yeah, so, I mean moving in, I had a week with my mom and my sister in Cambridge where they helped me move in, buy all my stuff, because of course I went there with two bags, you know, no proper warm clothes no kitchen no bedroom nothing where where are you gonna buy that on st martin exactly. you're not also it's why impossible. would i fly with this exactly so yeah so a I lot had to of extra baggage exactly and and so yeah so we're going through that setting up a bank account getting me like properly enrolled into university because they're all the last minute things making sure my tuition loan had come through all of these things and this whole time we were still like oh is our house okay is the family okay like we've only heard a little bit here and there and then my mom and sister left and I still have a picture on my phone with my mom I took a selfie right before she got on the train and my face was just bright red with tears streaming down my face and my mom had tears in her eyes and she was just smiling because she was trying to be strong and she was excited for me. And I was just like, no, no, no. I changed my mind. I'm not ready. I'm not, I was like, I'm not ready to be alone. No, no, no. You're like, you cannot leave me. Not in this other man country. I cannot. I, was like, I, I don't, don't know these people. I don't work here. I don't fit in. I don't know people. I don't know anyone. I was like, I don't have any friends. I grew up with the same people around me. Like, I had the same people in my class from kindergarten until graduation. Squad. I was talking like, about a squad. I feel you. I was like, what do you expect from me now? I had to relearn how to meet people. I didn't know that. I don't know how to make friends. Like I would maybe make one new friend. And never let introduce yourself and explain the whole complicated oh backstory goodness. of who we are as Caribbean people. It's too much. It's too much. And then my first day of university. We're in, so we had um, like our lectures and then we had a private tutor, which wasn't actually private. It was basically just one of the professors had a smaller group and that was like you would turn some assignments in with him. You know, if you had any questions, it went through the first three years, but it was really important in your first year to help students get like, you know, used to it and everything. And we're obviously doing icebreakers here and there. And he's like, okay, you have to say, what's your name? Where you're from? What your favorite animal is? Because we're doing, we were all animal students. We were animal behavior, zoology, um, and another course that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. That was kind of like mixed, just different animal courses. Uh, oh, um, vet tech. So an, like a nurse. And so... So we're all there and it comes up to me and I'm like, hi. Um, and I'm like, you know, very nervous. This is a group room full of people I don't know. I'm introducing myself to. And I'm like, um, I'm Alice. I'm from St. Martin, which is an island in the Caribbean. And um, my favorite animal is a goat. 
I mean, they were in your backyard, Alice. I understand. They I don't understand, I mean, but I feel you. I love goats. I I I refuse to do a lot of research on goats. I refuse to do research on goats because I want them to be a mythical creature. Our local to me. goat population, <laughs> you know. But but it, they'd be right there on Porn Blanche Hill, you exactly. know. I feel yeah, you, you see them the all the time on the backyard. side of the cliff. I'm like, there's no way Exactly physically you can be there. This doesn't like work with physics. So it's magic. It's not mathing. It's not exactly it's not mathing. And so of course I say that. And nobody knows where I'm talking about. None of the students know anything about anything. And then all of a like, sudden, say Martin? the freaking tutor turns around and goes, oh, you just had that big hurricane. Are you okay? In front of everyone. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And he goes, "Is do you still have a house? I was like, that was not the time, bro. I was like, dude, this now is not the time for this. I was like, this was two weeks ago. I'm still like, it's fresh. The wounds are fresh. Let's not make me cry. Okay. I was like, my mother left me two days ago. I like, thankfully, my house was okay, but my cats died because I didn't know he was alive yet. (laughs) I was like, I was like, I'm all alone. I haven't heard from this, this, and that friend yet. Like, I'm still waiting to hear from people. I don't know how my friends' houses have gone. I was like, I don't know what I even own anymore. I was like, I don't know what's in the house. I know the house itself is okay, but I know, like, you know, certain rooms got different damage. You don't know, yeah, how damaged it really is. I was like, what do I own? Yeah, I feel you. And yeah, we're, yeah. It was this whole thing. And I was just like, yeah everything's okay we just lost a few tiles okay. and i'm just there holding back tears from just because i oh i'm a crier i cry at almost everything but i was just holding back <laughs> tears because i just i was so not even embarrassed but just out of my comfort zone and i was like i don't know how to respond to this but if i don't respond then you know, that's bad. If I start crying, that's even worse. I'm 18. I'm, you know, this is university. I have to be a grown up. I can't cry. I was like, what the hell does this man want me to do? It's like, what was he wanted me to say? Oh, yeah, everything's good. So that's all I said, which, you know, it t- everything for us was great. It turned out after Irma. But I was just like, what if I did lose my house? What what did you want me to say? I was like, I had a friend who was calling yeah. me talking to me help on the me, phone and she, you know yeah, my friend was like literally my father is upstairs while i'm in my downstairs um like room and the roof is coming off you know i i was talking to friends like my roof is coming off the windows are out all of these things and i'm just there like feeling helpless exactly i, I feel and this you. man goes to me oh how is everything do you still have a house it's like dude ignorance at its finest it's like, dude not the time you know it's okay he ended up getting fired for selling drugs to students and sleeping with students so not a great guy but <laughs> we were talking about him to um a girl that went to our uni beforehand because like a friend i made was from the area so her friend went to the uni and she goes oh yeah no he's my he's my weed dealer she's <laughs> like oh Okay. okay he making the connects he probably heard you were from the island alice and was like oh clientele <laughs> i need to get in with her 
she know she gonna bring me to the new clients that I need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is that is wild. But I feel him. He was trying to make money, you know, hustling, yeah. hustling. It was it was definitely strange. <laughs> but I guess like after you'd been there for a minute, like what was it like, like living in Cambridge? You know, especially with like such that that big university that everybody be like so desperate to get into, and just like yeah, like life in england or like well did you ever adjust to the culture at, at any point were you still like i don't know these people are weird i'm trying to go back home <laughs> it i loved cambridge and just to clarify i didn't go to cambridge university i went to another one in cambridge so no one's ever even heard of my university which i'm so happy about what's it called what's it called? anglia ruskin university um, but I'm so happy I didn't go to Cambridge. They have so many rules. Like, you're not allowed to work if you go to Cambridge. It's in your code of conduct as a student. You can't work if you go to Cambridge. They want 100%. Expect you to be broke in the streets? Oh, no, if you don't. Or what? If you can't afford it, they help you out with housing and food, apparently. Oh, sweet. But That's nice. They're like, yeah, they're, they were just like, no, you can't work. So I met uh, so many people that did work. And they were like, yeah, like, if my school found out, I'd get kicked out. Like that's how apparently strict they said they were. I don't. I've never heard of anyone Why getting kicked though? out for working. I but feel it. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Oh well. But hmm. but yeah, no. I loved Cambridge. It was very different, but I loved that it was like it was a city, but it was a small city. So even though we were like, it was very different to what I was used to I was always meeting new people and then I got like my group of friends and that group changed obviously you know you go through university have falling outs meet new people that you work better with all of these things so the group I started filter you know filter through the fake people and then at the end you like okay there's a couple of y'all I mess with you can come true exactly I started like in first year I had my group of friends completely different by my last year only talked to the group of friends from my last year you know all of these things but but yeah no it was great I I loved it so much and I've been back twice afterwards Uh, I went back last year for a graduation it worked out really well I was already in Europe for a work trip and graduation was like two weeks after my work trip had ended so I was able to take vacation and just stay in Europe a little longer. So I was like free trip to my, I wasn't going to go to graduation, but now all of a sudden my flights are paid for. Like, yeah, I'm doing this. Yes, um, exactly. Manifest it. <laughs> so it was great seeing all my friends and get, getting my stuff because for COVID I had 30 hours to pack up and leave. So thankfully my flatmates who were my best friends and still are some of my best friends, um, they packed up my room for me and then my cousin drove up because it's two hours from London where my cousin lives and she drove up with her boyfriend and picked up all my stuff to take it to my aunt's house and she ended up using like Aww. a bunch of my kitchen stuff because she was going to uni the next year so it worked out perfectly you know I was like I don't need this we, l- we love it exactly um, sharing is caring so, yeah. <laughs> so once again second time of my life I had no idea what I still owned I had no idea, and this was all within like, you know, three years later, no idea what 
was there. You know, I knew my friends had to throw some things away, like furniture. They obviously, my aunt wasn't going to keep furniture for me. And it was like some books. I was like, yeah, no, if it doesn't work, if you know I don't use it, you can toss it, you can keep it, you can sell it, whatever. So I kind of like showed up to my aunt's house a year later, right before graduation. She was like, okay, this is it. And it was just like two boxes and like a back full of stuff. And I was like, okay, I definitely owned more than this. Like this looks a little lighter, but okay. But of course, I mean, all my pretty much all my kitchen stuff was gone because uh, my cousin used yeah. it and just a few things like that. So it ended up working out, and I still had to get rid of a bunch of my stuff. Um, cool. But but I loved being back in Cambridge. That's awesome. I guess like is it was it easy to find like Caribbean people to be around while you were up there? Because like at least for me in America, like. I don't know people that are Caribbean it's it's like awkward because they're they're not like really they don't really understand you know like they're not like they they have their ties but it's not like lived experience so a lot of like their perceptions of like the region are often skewed and I'm curious what it's like in the UK where like there is a bit more of like a Caribbean presence but I'm yeah I'm curious if they still sort of have that out of touch yes view of the region yes very much so um there were a few times someone I a girl I lived with in first year uh loved that I was from the Caribbean whenever she had her friends over she'd be like guess where she's from just guess. Just guess where she's from. Just guess. And they're like, okay, America. Guess. You're going to get it wrong, Canada. though. Exactly. I was just standing there. I was like, you're not going to guess. And I'm like, oh, no, no. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get gonna it. They're just going to say any white country. They're like, any white country. She white. She, she must fall into one of these buckets here, right? Exactly. Right? And then and then it's I tell them. Question. And then I tell them. And they're like, oh, I don't believe you. I'm like. Then why ask? It's like, okay. Yeah. And there were quite a few people where they were like, no, you're not. And I was, I was, yes, yes, I am. I have, I, that's where I was born. That's where I was raised. I have a Dutch passport. Like, I have a Dutch passport, not because my family's Dutch. I have a Dutch I passport got the because I'm from St. Martin. My navel string is right outside that air, you know, that <laughs> clinic too. It's like, um, you want me to dig it up? Like, I don't understand. What, what proof do you yeah. need? And so I got a lot of people being like, no, you're not from the Caribbean. I am. I was like, okay, that's great. Like, where are you from? What island? Like, you know, I was like, oh, cool. Time to bond. Community. Let's go. And like, Exactly. My people. Oh, um, well, my grandma is from... Um, um, I can't really remember the name of it, but it starts with Saint. And I was just like... Yeah. Crickets. It's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and I start, like, listing off British islands, islands that start with Saint, things like this. And they're like, oh, that one kind of sounds like which, familiar. Which, which region? Are we talking about American Virgin Islands? Are we talking about the British... We talking about exactly. like the the you know the leeward islands. Like we have a lot of saints. You know, there's a lot of them. Yeah, gotta be specific. Yeah, so I got that a lot. So I definitely got a bit confused. I got people telling me, you know, I can't be from the Caribbean because I'm white. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, 
great shows opinion. Shows what you know about diversity. But <laughs> interesting. Exactly. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, can I go now? I'm not really feeling this conversation anymore. I was like, I don't really want to be around people that are like, hey, no, you're not from the Caribbean. I was like, okay, then where am I from? If I'm not from the Caribbean, I'm telling you, they want where you am I from? to be from a white country. Yeah, they all said or, I was American. They're like, no, 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 you know. you're American. It's like, no, I'm not. They're like, oh, because you know, CIA. Are. Like, no, they're not. CIA raised you to not. I feel it. Private school, take away our accent, Alice. So from the get-go, we sound American, you know. And I can only blame LU Montessori and CIA for that. Yeah. No, that's true. That is Our parents pay good money, you know, good money for us to talk very American. So technically... We're doing, you know, they're we're 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 the profit of their of their investments. So, yeah, technically they got what they paid for. <laughs> like I can't even be mad. I can't even be mad. Yeah. No. They. Yeah. I can't even. Yeah. Can't even say anything else about that because that's true. And my parents always like you know I would say something like no 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 proper grammar let's go they're like grammar. They're like, we don't care about your accent. Like we paid for grammar. you to speak properly. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, like, how, how did your parents, did your parents ever worry about the fact that people would not view you as Caribbean because of their ties to South Africa? Or was that ever something they were concerned about? Or was it always just like, well, we're here, we're part of this community, we really care about this community, and obviously you're one of, you know, you're part of this. And so it was never really something to question. Uh, They never really worried about it. No, because they, I mean, they were, they're very sure of themselves as people. They're both the kind of person where they're like, well, this is it. You know, if someone doesn't agree with it, that's their problem, not mine. And I'm very much not like that. I'm, I'm learning to be. But especially growing up, I cared too much about what people thought. I what, I am a people pleaser, all of these things, which my parents are not. Well, my mom is a bit in certain aspects, but overall, she's very sure of herself, that whole thing. Um, and so I'd be like, you know, I've gone to my parents before and I'm like, no, 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 um, like, you know, they're making fun of me because my lips are too small because I'm white or my ass isn't big enough because I'm white or like, you know, oh, this person says I'm not from here. Where am I from? <laughs> like, I was like, so then I'd ask me, where am I from? And they're like, well, there's one answer. <laughs> you know, my parents were like, okay, well, we're from South Africa, but you're from here. So it was really difficult um, for me personally, but for them, they never really worried about it. They were like, just don't pay any mind. Just, you know where you're from. You know, you have your ties to South Africa. You have your ties to St. Martin. Obviously, the ones to St. Martin are a million times stronger. And they were like, this is where you're from. This is where you are. Like, don't don't listen to them. Don't worry about them. And I was like, no, 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 but but... But this is what they're saying. <laughs> like, and it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. They're mean. You know, they're exactly. mean. Um, but my parents were always just like, no, like, just don't worry about them. Let them say what they want to say. You know, if someone's talking shit, that's just because they're feeling shit. Like, don't listen to them. And I'll just say, like, but, but this is what they're Spitting saying. Wisdom. 
I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. I guess, like, how did your parents even come to St. Martin? Or, like, what was their journey from South Africa that, like, pulled them out of all the places in the world to go? This little rock in the Caribbean Sea. Well, my parents both got to St. Martin separately and actually met on the island. Um, so my dad... Aw, fallen in love, <laughs> fallen in love. My my dad left South Africa when he must have been like 1920. And he, when he left South Africa, the apartheid was still going on. And he had not the easiest childhood, you know, a lot of... Uh, bad things had happened in his childhood with his family, all of this stuff. And so he got the chance to go to university because uh, my dad is in- annoyingly smart. So, like, un- like, literally the most annoyingly smart you can be. So he was able to go to university and the law in South Africa was I assume, I think it was just for men, but I'm not 100% sure, was either you went to university after high school or you were drafted. So my dad went to university. But after a year or two, um, basically, there were some money issues with his father. My my dad wasn't going to ask for money, so my dad dropped out. So then the country was like, okay, you're not in university anymore. You haven't finished university. You have to go to war. You have or go and be drafted. And my dad was like, "No, my dad, my dad." He's like, "Love, <laughs> not war." Well, you know, <laughs> my, my dad just kind of he he wouldn't. A he's a huge pacifist over so many things. He will barely kill a bug. If there's a cockroach in my room, he will catch it and release it outside release exactly catch and release i was like no no i got my cockroach spay next to my bed i was like if there's a cockroach i'm killing it or you're catching it exactly and so my dad just he would not pick up a gun and shoot and point it at someone else because of their skin color would not do it absolutely we love that oh my gosh it's amazing it's just he wouldn't do it to anyone, obviously, no matter what. Yeah. But he was just like, because of this, like, I'm not, I know this is what my country's telling he me to do. He has a backbone, do. you know? He knows what he believes in. And that is so incredible, especially when your country, yeah, is telling you to go kill these people. And you're like, no, bro, <laughs> I will not. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that you either did what your country did told you to do or you're breaking the law. So my dad left South Africa on a boat not exactly the most legal way and did not return for a good 20 30 years but um but yeah so he left like refugee we outie he like you're gonna have to catch me if you want me i mean he still had his south african passport was still traveling the world on his passport he just never checked back into south africa for a good few years and by the time he did apartheid was you know legally like things had settled done law wise um and so that he was a little bit nervous the first time he went back but you know the laws had changed so everything was okay thankfully that's good um yeah that was before i was born so if it wasn't okay okay wouldn't have been born time check (laughs) i feel you but um but yeah so so he left, sailed around the world. He went to the Caribbean, left the Caribbean. Like he fully 
sailed around the world, traveled almost everywhere, has all these stories about sailing and just the most random stories that I'm still learning. Like he still randomly tell me something so nonchalantly. And I'm like, you literally are telling me a story about how you saved a person's life. Like I went to New York two years ago with a friend and all of a sudden he was just like, oh yeah. The first time I went to New York, we were sailing out of New York and we were with Peter, which is a friend of his. Um, and he, at the time was a big time movie producer. And I was like, hold on, Peter had that much money. Like I didn't know he was a big, deal um i just knew you like peter had money oh, she's like, i hilarious. just knew the man had a sailboat and was sailing around the world with his wife and daughter i was like i didn't know they like he and had peter rich dog. rich i'm kidding <laughs> i feel you and I'm my dad you. was like yeah 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 so we're getting so he hired me to sail him back like he was a sailor too but you always you usually need you know a second pair of hands at least and he also you know, this big time movie producer had some models with him on the boat, all of these things. So my dad was basically the deckhand. And he said they left New York, was a few, were a few hours out. Big storm happened. Boat started sinking because someone put like the bilge pump in the wrong way. So it wasn't pumping water out the boat like it should have been. And apparently my dad said he only found out years later when he saw Peter again, that Peter was so close to calling Mayday on the radio and my dad just went into the sinking boat turned like put the bilge pump in properly and fixed it and just kept on sailing like a g that's what we talk about control like, over the mind he was calm he was collected he knew what he had to do and he executed exactly Hell yeah and i'm just over here i was like hold on this whole story just came out because i i'm going to new york for four days and all of a sudden, you're telling me, A, this person I know was a movie producer for MTV, B, that like Lady. you saved his life and a bunch of random girls' lives, C, that <laughs> he was just like, yeah. And he was just telling me this just while casually. we were walking the dog. Just casually. Casual. Exactly. Casual. So I'm still learning yeah. his stories. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And then, and then my mom left with her family when she was like 15, 16. And they only sailed for like four or six months, I think. My grandfather built a boat and they had sailed a little bit around Cape Town and where they were. And then they decided to sail around the world. So gave my mom and her sisters the option to join them or stay behind with another family member. But they all like they decided to join. So it was my mom and her older sister. So two teenagers. And then I think my youngest aunt was like two or three at the time on the boat tiny ass little boat like I've seen it teensy tiny little boat just so the five of them sailed just basically from South Africa to the Caribbean and they were planning on continuing to sail but they just you know they liked it so they all decided to stay um, like it's pretty here I like the vibe yeah. these people cool yeah like, we should we should settle down exactly you know? and then my mom became friends with my dad's girlfriend and then now my parents are together she stole him real quick she was like oh i see something i like and i'm gonna get it <laughs> i never quite have I've no your parents are awesome the whole story on how they got together i just know I that she you. was friends with his girlfriend 
Then they broke up, according to him. Nothing to do with my mom. They broke up. Yeah, nothing to do with my mom. Keeping it clean. Keeping it clean. (laughs) And then a few months after they broke up, my mom and dad started dating and moved in together. When my mom, as soon as my mom turned 18. Yeah. Well, not the next thing. Seven years later, they buy a house, have a kid. Time passed and the family emerged, you know. No, you're honestly, your parents are so awesome. Even just like, I reflect on like some of my like fondest childhood memories of just like being on the boat with you guys and going to Tintamar. And like, I remember when your dad would like pull us in like the dinghy in the kayak in the back and like we would have so much fun doing all of these random adventures. And honestly, like, like your like your grandma and like the huge like garden and like animals that she has like I am so inspired honestly to live like that when I you know can afford such things but it's just like so inspiring to see people that are just fearless and so authentically them and full of love and just like are so open to like having all of these people just come into their lives and sharing really like their love for life and their love for nature in, in such a small community where, like, though that type of investing into, like, the local community, it, it really is felt. And, like, I have no doubt that your parents have touched so many lives that they probably not even aware of because they're just being awesomely them. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm just so grateful to have met you guys because just, like, even the times that I've spent, like, they were incredible memories that I'm always going to cherish. And it definitely cultivated my love for the environment and for nature because, they really showed me like how much fun and how much beautiful and like why it should be protected. And, you know, those are things that you can't, you can't really put a price on. Like it's priceless. Yeah. That was so sweet. That was very sweet. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. Like they're so freaking awesome. And um, yeah, like I'm glad the things are back to, you know, I know like you guys are doing so much with like, con- you know, the shark con- conservation and like, keeping our sharks healthy and making the awareness about even sharks in our community because sharks get a bad rap yeah you they know? do they're scary but they we need them we do they and are even so like the important. work you've done with the monkeys you know like it's just such great stuff but i'm curious like could you speak a little bit about the work that you did do with the monkeys on the island yeah. and just you know yeah for sure it was what like what was that yeah it was very difficult um to do because obviously there were a lot of people against the work that we were doing it was very interesting basically the backstory is the vervet monkeys on saint martin are invasive and they are a highly highly adaptable species they can adapt to almost anything they are only native to southwest africa i believe um so so yeah so they've are all over the world now like they're in south america the u.s the caribbean all over the world and they've adapted and they're invasive everywhere do you know how they got all over the world Uh, like is it just people bringing them mostly Mm. the pet trade onto saint martin it believed of course there's no actual data for this way to really know yeah yeah. um but on saint martin it's believed that they were first brought to saint kitts from uh england in the pet trade and then from saint kitts to saint martin in the pet trade that is now illegal and so so yeah so that's how it's believed there are rumors and you know people saying that they have 
you know, been, they've escaped from the zoo and hurricanes, this, this, and that. Once again, there's nothing, you know, no confirmed data. To prove that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. There is a article online from someone from the old zoo on St. Martin saying that, yes, they did have some monkeys released, but they did capture, recapture them all, which I don't know how likely that is but that is what they stated and then we have also heard from other people that worked at the zoo that no no monkeys has have ever been like ever been released or escaped from a hurricane so so yeah so the data unfortunately isn't there and the first inconclusive inconclusive exactly i feel you the first recorded sighting of any monkey on the island was in 1970 but when you talk with you know your grandmas and people who were on the island before then they were like oh no 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 like my neighbor had a monkey for a pet you know they weren't wild they weren't how they are now but they were there so so they're just very adaptable the species has continued to grow the vervet species in the best conditions they can double their population within a year at least um so yeah, another big thing they is... They definitely having fun, I can say that. <laughs> another big thing is, obviously, our seasons are different to Africa. So we don't have as clear of a rainy and a dry season like Africa does. So we don't have necessarily a breeding season for the monkeys. So we get babies mm. almost all year round. Because the whole idea is they will breed and have babies when food is abundant. So in the rainy season... But because our like dry season, when it's like properly dry, 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 is so short, we don't have that clear cut here and there. So that's why our population so they just, can... They just, I feel yeah. it. They just going at it so, all the time. So they're incredibly invasive and they are very dangerous to our native species. A lot of plant species are dying because of this. Bird species can diminish. There have been reports of fewer birds around, like, houses. You know, people have just been like, oh, yeah, no, we're seeing less birds, but more monkeys. The monkeys do eat birds and bird eggs. Um, so it's obviously there isn't any clear study on it. So I can't say, yeah, because of the monkeys, this is going to happen to this species, et cetera, et cetera. But based on research on other invasive animals, you know, basically they have no predator. They're going to continue to populate. They're going to, they're not going to hit a plateau, most likely. They're probably just going to continue going. And that can be very dangerous to our ecosystem on the island because we already don't have a very strong and stable ecosystem because of the tourism and the continuous uh like construction all of these things so the project basically what i did was i just did the research on approximately how many like what the population sizes were on the dutch side of the island so the total report is not for the entire island it is just for the dutch side which as we know monkeys don't know borders so you know they're they'd be going back and forth they don't give any craps about what they're like the what what's the f north and the south exactly they're the like same i'm dutch now i'm french now hills, i'm dutch yeah. now i'm french <laughs> um so it's a very rough estimation 
but it is based on their troop sizes, where they were found, you know, their behavior, like when they were out and about, things like that. And so basically it was to kind of research their behavior, how many there were, how their behavior was different to how it's supposed to be. And then to look into and get the project changed over time. But by the end of it, we asked the local community about what they thought should happen. And one thing that we did was we didn't, we did like a survey where we asked people what they thought, etc. One thing that we were very mindful of is we never put this survey online and we never specified where we were going to be when we were going to be conducting the survey, purely because we knew that there are a lot of activists and I can 100% understand their point of view. You know, they're not in the wrong in any way. I 100% understand it's not fair on the monkeys themselves that we're trying to look for ways to eradicate them, lower their numbers, etc. They did nothing wrong. They're just, you know, they're just living their best life on the I island where you. they were born and raised, kind of the same as us. Um, and so, so yeah, so we made sure that the surveys were random. You know, I went and did them myself. So I went, I stood in front of Koyman, in front of Grand Marche, in front of Sangs. Like I went to all like the hot spots where people are going to be. I feel I, you. exactly the community gathers exactly everyone needs to buy food you know i and i made sure to go to different communities you know grand marche market garden we did stop by a few people like when we were doing our surveys if someone asked us you know what are you doing i always had because we had tablets that we were doing the surveys with so i always had one with me so i could ask them so you know it's someone who just saw us walking by their house and they're like, hey, what are you doing? So I'm like, you know, while we're talking, do you mind filling out the survey? And I can't remember how many results we got, but it was not too many, not too few, like a couple hundred, I believe. And basically... Solid amount. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a perfect consensus of the whole island of course i feel you but i also only had a week to get this done with the like the survey wise so we did what we could it's never going to be the 100 percent answer that's the whole thing with survey not everyone's gonna agree with the answer but the outcome of the survey the majority did vote for eradication which was euthanizing the monkeys And the reason is because there were three options that are possible, basically. And that would be do nothing. They would continue to overpopulate. And this could be a future problem. You know, it could get worse in the future. We cannot tell you. We can't say this is what it's going to be like. The next option Mm. was for sterilization, which a lot of people initially wanted to do sterilization. They initially were like, well, that's, you know, makes the most sense, which in a way it does, in a way it doesn't. A, it was at least 10 times more expensive, if not more. B, it is quite invasive for the monkeys because you have to catch them, take them to the vet, sterilize them, and release them again. And we were mm. looking at only doing 
one gender, one like one sex of the monkeys and seeing how that would work. And we were initially thinking, okay, the females, they're the ones getting pregnant. You know, it's basically one male. The The way that the troop works is that there's the one alpha male who's at the top and he impregnates multiple females. So we were first looking to... Like, I'm picking the (laughs) next generation. (laughs) Yeah, so we were first looking to sterilize the males. But the problem is, is you cannot capture the alpha straight away because then that makes the troop go into frenzy. And the troop starts going crazy. They go all over the place. So... They're like, where's our leader? Exactly. That's literally it. And then the young ones want to see who's going to be the new leader and then... There's tension in the squad and the women are like, "Ah." (laughs) I feel it. Yeah. So, so the sterilization would have been a much longer project and we would only start seeing Mm. a decline in the population, like at least 10 years later, but up to 20 to 30 years later. And you would have to continuously do it because these monkeys can live for up to 30 years, roughly. You know, on average, between 10 and 20, but they can live older. So so that's the thing, is the sterilization would have been much more expensive and long-winded. If we were able to get this money and get a proper team mm. going, then yes, it would be a better solution. But we don't have... Could we hunt them? So, yes and no... Um, that is also up to different people. The What we were looking for for eradication would be to dart them. So not to initially oh. shoot them, but dart them and then take them to the vet to get put down, to get euthanized. And the main reason for that is to shoot them with a gun. If you miss, you end up hurting them. Like if you just hit them in the arm or if you hit them along we the neck. We don't have good hunting practices. I feel you. Exactly. Feel yeah. you. Even even the best hunters can make a mistake sometimes. It is incredibly yes, difficult to hunt you. monkeys. So it was the most humane yeah, option for the way that mm. we looked at it. For like if to do- go with the eradication process, if that was the way to work f- to continue to go forward, this would be the most humane way to do this he- eradication process. Interesting. Because, of course, the end goal is be humane and let nature, the like the native plants and animals, to continue to succeed. Not let them get overrun with an invasive species. Yeah, yeah. I mean, invasive species have been a pain. Yeah. All over the place, doing all kind of trouble because humans just irritating, just irritating. Just don't know. They want too much, then don't want to take care of it. Just let it go and then screw up the ecosystem and then it ruins it ruins it for the animals that are actually there and they can't compete. You know, they have no way to protect themselves because they didn't evolve to have to deal with these predators or deal with these people that are maybe better at, you know, getting the nutrients that they need mm-hmm. to survive. Like, yes, yeah, so, so interesting. So it was definitely a difficult project to do because, you know, I'm the same. I don't want to hurt these animals that haven't done anything if we could catch them send them off somewhere else to another country like send them back to africa that would be great you know they're supposed to be there but nobody wants them because they are (laughs) invasive 
everywhere except like, we should send them home but they don't want to go home they exactly. don't want to go home but it's also they, like they're like i know, like this they, they they're saint martiners you know you. they grew up here they are they so are. it's a very it's a very gray area it's subject tough. i feel it um i feel it but sometimes you do have to think about the native species and we got a lot yeah. of bad reactions especially through social media from other people which once again i completely understand but some of the ways they brought it up was a bit like mm, could have worded it better you know, at least you know, don't have to be mean people just like to get a reaction i <laughs> well, think one, that's what it is you one know? person commented at one point like do you just want like everyone to leave the island and let nature just be perfect like are you gonna kick all the people off the island next i'm like can we do that yeah i mean that if, would be great it would definitely kick, help yeah just let nature do itself you know stop construction it'd be fantastic kick everyone off the island make it a nature park i'll do that fantastic <laughs> i was like that's not even beautiful. a mean comment that's a good idea sir you're like you're giving us great feedback because we're liking this we're liking this maybe we just temporarily go to tintamar you know camp out and just come back but let's be real we shouldn't do that let's not do that Um, because we'll ruin that too but uh i'm curious like what's next in the adventure like where are you headed off next or are you just gonna stay you know in in indonesia for for the next schminen so we are no so we go to nusa panita which is just another part of indonesia for a couple days and then november 1st we fly to vietnam where we spend three weeks traveling up vietnam south to north so very excited for that and then after vietnam one friend leaves because she has to go back she's going home for christmas and then starts work and then two of us are here on a one-way ticket yeah yeah so two of us are here on a one-way ticket and my friend wants to move to bali and work there and i don't know what i'm gonna do after that i'm still looking into it i'm looking into going to australia or new zealand and applying for some jobs there but I have to make up my mind where I want to go next, what I want to do, things like that. Leave the doors open, Alice, and let all the infinite possibilities come your way. You know, maybe you go to Vietnam. You you meet some people. They're like, "Oh my god, we have this cool ass conserva- you know, conservation place." Alice, come through, and you're like, "You know what? Yes, you never <laughs> know." And the the future has so many just options i'm curious to just see what you end up doing because i i already know it's going to be great for the planet um and just yeah just to see like what your family has been fighting for like i absolutely love it and yeah i'm curious to yeah just see what you'd end up doing and how you help make this place a little bit better by just you know making people realize that (laughs) nature is our friend you know and she's here and we need to we need to love her and love us you know i know yeah it's it's very sad seeing people that don't see nature as it is like they're just kind of like oh you know it's just it's just earth like whatever i'm just dirt and trees exactly and then you re- then you really think like we about are it. Nature. Yeah. Exactly. No, like it's hap- it's all around us everything. One person pointed out to me um cuz we were talking about it and he started going on about how nothing is 100% man-made. 
which when you think about it, he was just like, all materials have come from nature, which I'm still like, okay, yeah, no, buildings, trees, these are man-made. But he does have the point where you're like, yes, they may have created this new metal, but the pieces that went into this metal aren't man-made. You know, it's like these things... It's the processing. Yeah, The processing exactly. is not natural. No, not at all. So as I was it's saying... It's like, like, I feel I him. I feel him. Yeah. I completely, like, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, no, this is still man-made. This is still, like, you know, nature. But I never really thought of it that way, how everything man-made still comes from nature. It still comes yeah. from the earth. Like, you know, we haven't... You know, we, we we can only do so much what nature allows us to do, pretty much. I feel you. It's an interesting thing. I think it's just the issue of, like, our the way we make things is not, like, we don't think of it. Like, nature handles its own waste. Yeah. Nature knows how to handle, you know, decomposing bodies and dead trees and dead leaves. Like, it has fungi that takes care of that. You have all of these different players in our food chain that deal with it. But I think with the with the man-made issue is, like, our stuff, we don't have that intention of thinking about what happens to it when we're done with it. Like, we're not thinking about all the byproducts that come out of it. We're not thinking about all the energy that we have to create to make these things that all come at a cost. And it's the balance. Like nature knows how to balance itself. And as humans, we've sort of just taken that for granted. Oh, for sure. And I, I do I agree. Like they said, we can only do what nature allows us. But yeah, that, that very much means that if we keep pushing nature and we keep poking at her and we push her over her edge... She's going to handle it. She's going to rebalance all right. And you know what that means? Hurricanes, earthquakes, wildfires, floods. Like, like nature will handle it. But I can assure you, humans will not like the way she handles things oh, when she gets pissed off. You know what I mean? So we got to be careful. We got to be careful. <laughs> 